Hi, you're listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. And in the studio with me today, I have my friend, Chef Jackie Blanchard. Thanks for joining us, Chef Thanks Jackie. Thanks for having me, girl. It's such a pleasure. Uh, y'all, I have to say, um, Chef Jackie is from over at Coutillier. Uh, isn't, is that how you pronounce Coutillier. it? Coutillier. Coutillier. We, we get a million different ways. It's, it's hard. We, we, we Coutillier. Think, you know, Coutillier. My dad calls it Coutillier. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is a town where it, with Chapatulis right. and Burgundy In a streets. town though. with French names, you know, we think... It'll catch on. <laughs> well, um, and I will tell y'all that uh, over the holidays, I went and saw Chef Jackie and um, got some knives as a Christmas presents and I actually ended up buying myself some presents <laughs> and one of the presents I bought for someone I decided to keep for myself. So uh, it happens. we're going to talk a little bit today about knives and food and utensils and trips and Many travel things. and all Many, kinds so of things. things. So well, Chef Jackie, let's start with knives. Yeah. And um, let's start with what, you know, what y'all do. Because I know um, whenever I called you, I said, okay, I want to buy a knife for my mother-in-law. And she has arthritis in her hand. So right. it's really important that I don't get her something that's too heavy, that I have sure. something comfortable to hold. So how how are we figuring out what is the right knife for you or for someone else? So I think it all starts, you know, with personal preference, um, a knife is such a personal thing. I mean, it's, I feel like it's kind of like buying some jewelry. You know, it's a, it's a very personal decision for a lot of people, um, which is why, you know, eventually we want you to come and feel it and hold it and feel that weight and that balance because we know a lot of people are just generally used to heavier knives. I mean, we've kind of all been used to that most of our lives. And so when you get into more of the Japanese style, um, which can be a lot lighter, it can take some getting used to for a lot of people. Um, you know, the handles are different. They can be octagonal. They can be oval. They can be D-shaped. They could be the Western handle. Um, all of that factors into the weight. Um, so, you know, we we really strive to create that sort of like personalized experience with them, almost like a consultant, you know, when, when people come in, they'll spend sometimes an hour and a half trying to decide because they can't, you know, there's this, well, you know, we've gotten a lot more options over the last year, but, um, it's like I said, it can be such a personal decision. It's hard for a lot of times, a lot of people. And, and, and that was the whole thing for us, for us originally with, um, opening the shop in general was, you know, we had kind of been used to buying knives online, you know, and you really just don't get the chance to hold that, feel that, you know, see that weight and that balance that, you know, that could be too long, could be too short. You're not quite sure what you're getting a lot of times. And I find that, you know, for me, my ch I have changed in the style sure. of knife that I want. And, you know, when I first started, I wanted something heavier. I wanted to feel like it was sturdy. Sure. But I, you know, like I told you right before the holidays, I said, I have prepped hundreds of pounds of citrus sure. in a two-week. My hands exactly. were exhausted. Exactly. And, it you compounds. know, you realize really that you need to change depending upon what you're doing. Absolutely. And Dep how much you're cooking. Depending on the task, depending on the bulk of the task, you know, and that's what, you know, a point we kind of drive home for a lot of people is that, you know, I've been cooking professionally for 15 years and my hands are arthritic. You know, I'm only 33 years old and they should not be quite as arthritic as they are. And I think for me, I probably should have switched over a little earlier in my career to the lighter Japanese style because less of that compounding would have, you know, not caused quite the issues I have now with some of the joints, you know, in my wrists and my hands. But um, it, it once you've kind of tried that, once you've kind of experienced how 
um, effortless the the cutting can be um, and how light it is and how um, it really changes your experience. I think for a lot of people, they kind of get discouraged by cooking at home because either they don't have a sharp knife and so they're fighting against a dull knife, which, you know, doesn't give them the greatest experience. And I think a lot of times a dull knife is, you know, much more dangerous than a sharp knife. And when you have that experience of like the lighter, the Japanese style, um, you're really gliding through the food and it creates so much more of an enjoyable experience for you overall. And I, and I can tell you that just from the amount of feedback we've been getting from our customers and our regulars that have come in and been like, wow, I had no idea, you know, this is, changed the way I cook. It's changed my um, enjoyment. It's changed like, you know, sort of like my overall kind of outlook on it. And and now I'm cooking four days a week instead of, you know, once every two weeks, you know, that sort of thing. So it's it's good to hear that. And, you know, I found that when I switched knives, um, like I went from my, you know, really hearty Wusthof and then my next knife I got was a Masahiro. Sure. And that was dramatic. Yeah, dramatic. And I found that I had to really pay attention sure. because I it was it, there was more movement in the right. blade there. I, so I would say, okay, nobody talk to me because I have to focus a little right. bit more because the motion was right. different. Mind and task. then I just got the two knives from you, and uh, my husband was so funny the other day because he. Um, he went to the knife block where I have like, you know, sure. the knives he's allowed to use. <laughs> and then I have my knives like in a little sleeve in the drawer. And he decided he was going to uh, cook something. I don't even remember what it was. And I could just hear him struggling. And right. he looks at me and he goes, don't we have like an, a better knife here? And I was like, okay, <laughs> here it is. And then he looks at me and he goes, Oh my God! I've been I'd have been done in half right, the time yeah, exactly. if I had a sharp, time. good knife. No doubt, <laughs> it absolutely cuts the time, like in fractions. You know, it's amazing what it can do. Um, and I think that is just such a, you know, for us, we really want to foster the education behind it because there's a lot. You know, people are always like, why Japanese steel? Why that over, you know, um, German steel or whatever? Um, it's not that we don't like European made steels. We generally feel now that we are supporting a craft. I mean, not only that, we are fostering education for it. We um, are, are making people aware of this ancient craft that needs to continue on because a huge factor, and like I was telling you earlier, we wait a lot of times, months for some of these knives to come in because they are all hand-forged, every single one of them. And that's why we have Japanese steel, because they're all hand-forged. They're not stamped out of some mass production, some steel factory. You know, every single one of these knives are hand-forged by a man, an individual. Um, who his family has been doing this for generations. You know, we've got some knife makers that go back 28 generations. You know, it's really wild to think about. Some of them started in agricultural tools. Some of them started in uh, sword making for the shogunate. Um, so, you know, it's really important that, you know, in this modern world where, you know, a lot of the the older crafts are dying, you know, it's so important for us to, to foster that um, along for, you know, our generation and the next generation to appreciate and to support because, you know, there's a, a big generational gap right now in Japan uh, for a lot of the knife makers because in the 80s and 90s when, you know, the Japanese economy was like booming and cars, electronics, plastics, all these things, um, that's when we were all using European knives, Yeah. you know, um, and there wasn't this big demand for Japanese cutlery. And so what happened was when, you know, the sons decided to, you know, create a career for themselves in that time period. They decided to go, you know, into the big big cities and get salary jobs because that's where the money was. The money was not in making 
and forge cutlery at the time. So and we skipped a so generation we're skipping a generation training. right now, and we're feeling the effects of it on 100%. You know, personally, we feel it all the time because, you know, like I was telling you, you know, we just got a set of knives in that we waited over a year and a half for from a man who is a literal living national treasure of Japan, and he was actually the youngest um, person to ever be inducted into that sort of, you know, uh, congregation of living national treasures. He was at the age of 38. He's a, you know, very old man now. His name is Takeshi Saji. He's uh, from Ichiza, Japan, on the West Coast. Um, but to having some someone like that, um, and to, it's for us to be representing him and his work is so important for us, you know. And, and like I was saying, you know, with the generational gap, um, it's really important, even even more important for us to facilitate the fostering of education because, you know, we need our generation to take over. And a lot of these guys now, they're losing their uh, their generational heritage because, yeah. you know, this one guy, Shinji Fujishida, he's a blacksmith out of Ichizen as well. He's, um, we had the, you know, pleasure of meeting him on our last trip out there last year um, and watching him forge. And he's well into his 80s. He doesn't have a son. So when he dies, his knives die with him, you know, which uh. is kind of tragic, you know, in a way. It's um, he only makes two kinds of knives. He makes the vegetable style knife, the nakiri, and the the gyotu, like the everyday shots knife. And um, unfortunately, you know, we'll only have him around for a small amount of time. So, you know, it's really important for um, for us to continue that on. And I think a lot of people are starting to catch. And I think our generation, like our younger generation, is starting to, um, to apprentice under these guys. You know, and and they're much older, so you know the 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 masters are much older, so they don't have the patience a lot of times for these younger guys. But you know, the the work ethic is there, and and the want to continue that craft on is there. So we're really seeing that. But um, it is kind of a weird time because, like I was saying, it just takes you know months and months sometimes to get these orders in because they're literally hand forged to order, and the the demand is just skyrocketed over the last ten years. So they can't keep up. And, you know, I I really feel like there we I had a, a guest on the show last week and uh, over the last few weeks, there's been a lot of discussion on the show about, you know, farm to table movement and getting to know and how people are starting to even take it to the next step where they're, you know, hunting and gathering. Right. And but I feel like this is a whole nother level yeah. of not only is it a collector's item because it's a masterpiece that you're getting. Sure. But it's also, we know who makes our food. We know who grows our food. We know where right. our food exactly. is coming from. Why shouldn't we ha have it's that same tool. with the tools? Right. I mean, your tool is a representation of you. It's an extension of your hand in the same way that you appreciate, you know, the farmer who made, you know, your produce and you know where that comes from there's just you know it's always been this huge movement over the last you know 10 years that you know the whole farm to table knowing where everything comes from the origins of everything and so we feel like this is right in that thread um like i was telling you when you go online to our website and you look at our um our knife store the first thing you see is is the guy who made it you know you immediately have that personal connection which is what we want we want you to know like there's a human being behind this this isn't like a mass-produced factory setting this is a man in a forge who you know, um, has, is basically a shokunin. A shokunin in Japan is a master craftsman in whatever craft. Um, it could be knife making, it could be ceramics, it could be flower arranging, it could be, um, you know, anything. Um, so the master craftsmen of Japan are, you know, are, are very important in, in the aspect that, like, we have to continue on to support these guys who are 
be absolute masters of what they do, you know, and it's so important to have that in this world, not just here in America or in Japan, but all over the world. Well, has this, I, I, I mean, I, I, I hear you speak passionately about it and I can tell how much you care. And I go, well, has she always been a knife girl? Like, <laughs> has she always, did she just want to travel to Japan one day and knives became part That's of part the of it, process? <laughs> you know, like, where did this, I, I mean, I hate, I don't want to call it an obsession, no, but the, yeah. the enthusiasm for, sure. for it come well, from. I think that. Ultimately, um, like Brent and I have been cooking professionally, like I said, you know, for a very long time. And I think for us, we always strive to work in the best restaurants, you know, kind of coast to coast um, in the same way that we strive to have the best tools, you know, to represent our work in those restaurants. I think that is very important. Have I always been like a knife nerd? No, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> you qualify now. <laughs> I do qualify now. Um, but I think even in the beginning, I think more, I've gotten more... Um, passionate about it as we've been, you know, we've been open like a year and a half now. And I think in the original stages of it, I didn't think so deeply about the people that we um, were representing and what what that meant to them and now what that means to us and the, the message that we're trying to get across to people, I think didn't hit me quite as hard as it does now. And I think that's sort of evolved. Um, I think that people think we have these crazy home knife collections that, you know, Brent and I have, and that's you know, we're very modest in our, our collections at home. And, um, you know, there's there was one knife that I bought on our last trip for myself. And it was the first knife I'd bought for myself in five years. Um, it was from a knife maker, uh, Kanesuke, out of Sakai. It was Sakai's sort of like an industrial neighborhood of uh, Osaka where a lot of manufacturing goes down. Um, and we traveled to Kanesuke to gain an account with them. They had told us, no, 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 we can't accept a new account. We're just swamped. We would love to. We just don't have the capacity for it. We, you know... So we go there, we get an you know, appointment with them, we go to meet them, they still tell us no. And, you know, we, we navigated this tiny little neighborhood in Sakai, you know, New English. Um, we showed up and, um, well, you know, they wanted to sell us hairdressing scissors or, you know, yeah. that was another hairdressing yeah. scissors, yeah. which no, is not our game, not you know. <laughs> so we're like, we appreciate it. But um, they had this beautiful case of um, a, just a very few knives. Um, so I, you know, asked them if I could purchase one because it was one I held and I, you know, couldn't walk out of there without it. And so um, I bought it from them. Um, well, three months later, we, you know, we're back and we're in the shop. We get an email from them that says, hey, we remember you guys. You know, we really appreciate the fact that you came all the way here and met with us. We want to sell you oh, wow. um, knives now. We want to do business with you. And the knife that I had bought, what happened to be a prototype for the new line they're releasing, and they gave us sort of first access to it. So they only do business with like three or four, you know, companies in the United States, and we're one of them. Um, so it was really important you know, those those tracks to get there, those you're traveling thousands of miles a lot of times. I, we wouldn't have gotten that account if we wouldn't yeah. have showed up on their doorstep. Um, but like I was saying, that's the, the one knife I bought for myself. Um, I haven't kept a single one from the shop since. People think we, like, keep all these knives. And I'm like, I'd be out of business if I kept all the ones I <laughs> <Yeah>. wanted. <laughs> you, you don't need all the food we, in the restaurant. Lust, you don't drink all the food and you don't yeah, use all yeah. the knives. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> We lust after them all day long. Um, everybody always asks us, oh, what's your favorite one in here? And I'm like, oh, today it's this one. You know, tomorrow it's going to be something completely different. Um, but, yeah, we, we've gotten a, a lot of uh, cool feedback from from everybody about um, the selection that we offer and, and sort of we, we consider it to be sort of a, a personal curation. Like it kind of represents our style a little bit. I think mm -hmm. um, the whole shop overall kind of represents our style. But um, we're not these crazy, crazy, like, knife geeks, like everybody thinks we are. We uh, we just are really into supporting um, this craft and to be able to give 
you know, the access to this to the culinary footprint of the city, which is so dynamic and, you know, so huge. And why not New Orleans? You know, why why are certain shops uh, in San Francisco, New York have these kind of access? You know, I think that it was really important for us to bring that to the table. We wanted to open a restaurant, but it, we felt this was a little bit more of an necessity. And now you have a cool, <laughs> you have this like cool niche and, you know, I, I kind of want to change uh, directions a little bit because you know, we started off talking knives. And uh, for my listeners out there, right before the show started, I said, well, so Jackie, let's let's talk spoons. Do you you need to get spoons oh, yeah. in the shop? And uh, she she t- looked at me. And she goes, Amy, we have spoons. And, <laughs> you know, I I don't know why I'm so obsessed with. Yeah other utensils to have but um you know we have a spoon collection and i was joking because um chef tess who's worked with me for four years um went to this position in uh in uh philadelphia and i looked at chef mel and i went did she take the spoon bucket and mel was like no and i was like i totally would have taken the spoon (laughs) bucket i can't believe she didn't take it because we have Spoons yeah, for every job, for sure. whether it's to, I have my flat one that I use for my fish. Yeah. I have my one that's my butter spoon. And then I have the spoons that have no purpose, but I like right. to look at them. <laughs> so um, let's talk a little bit about like other yeah, tools that we like to play with I in the kitchen. I am much more of a spoon geek than I would ever be a knife geek. And that, that was always like been me from the beginning. Um, I think my spoon obsession started when I was working for Thomas Keller out in Yauntville, uh, over 10 years ago, um, everyone around me just had these like righteous spoons that were, you know, the big French deep style, you know, they're plating spoons. You set up your station, you know, your cutting board, you fold your towel, you have your little spoon bane with, you know, everything proper. And I had to do a lot of one handed quenelles. And so they all had these beautiful, like the tip tapered off just right. The balance on the back was heavy. You know, it just, it all made sense. It was perfect, you know? And so I was like, what is going on with these spoons everyone has? And Somebody was like, you know, it's just as important as your knife. It's an extension of your hand. It's your tool, you know? And so I approach my spoon craziness the way I would approach sort of a knife um, in that it does kind of represent me. It is an extension of my hand. It is my tool during, you know, work um, in the same way um, that a knife could be, you know? And some people don't get it, and some people really get it. (laughs) And I think for me that was one thing I kind of wanted to personally bring along to the table um, at the shop and offer because, like I said, I think the shop really represents our style as cooks um, and just in a, you know, a curated environment of our, um, what, you know, we represent basically. And I think the spoons was really important for me to bring in. And I've got a couple of ladies in the south of France who pick for me um, that I've met over the years. Uh, I've got a friend actually who lives down there in uh, in Agen in uh, Gascony, and she goes to flea markets all the time. She knows exactly what I'm looking for because um, I'm very picky. I mean, it's a it's a pretty serious thing for me. I'm I'm more you wanna, crazy you want, about you that. You want it to be pretty. <laughs> you want it to have the. Yeah, we're not looking the, for the double junk. stamps yeah. are very important um, on the silver plating a lot of times. Um, sometimes you know the dem- demi textile. We know everybody's got a different purpose for a lot of the spoons, and it's very utilitarian in the same way, like specific knives are for specific tasks, Um, the same thing for spoons. Um, And I think a lot of people have been really into, those who are really into spoons kind of really come after our collection and kind of really appreciate it, which is great for me because I'm 
kind of crazy about it. <laughs> well, do we think uh, forks are the next new forks thing? Forks are there. Forks are there. Sometimes I have to buy the forks along with the set. So, <laughs> so we're gonna make forks like the thing. Right, right, right. No, and people have been getting them since. I was like, man, we we got all these forks now. I don't know what to do with them. And then so I just put them out there, and people are scooping them up too, which is great. <laughs> well, I we only have a little bit of time left, and you know, I I joke all the time. I'm like, time flies when you're having fun, and it's so much fun to talk about food stuff. But I got to ask, you know, I go out, I buy a fancy knife from you. I get that fancy knife and I abuse the heck out of it, right? Mm -hmm. You know, my husband accidentally puts it in the dishwasher, right. even though it came with the thing that right. said, do not put this in the dishwasher. <laughs> you know it's um, going to happen sometimes. And you're not going to fuss at him because you were appreciative he's doing the dishes. Right. So Just pick your you, battle on you that one. Pick your battle. <laughs> and so then I have this like really cool knife, a really cool mandolin, all the stuff that I got and it's dull. Yeah. And... I spent a lot of money on it, so I'm not looking to throw it away, but some people kind of think it's that. broken and used and you can't fix it. No, it just needs a good sharpening, you know, and I think that's a huge service for us to be able to, to give to people because, um, you know, we're the only um, service in the entire South that I'm aware of that does professional Japanese whetstone sharpening. And that hand sharpening, that water stone is, is the best for the knives that we sell. And we know a lot of times, you know, you can come in and you buy a fancy knife and or, or just a knife that you're not comfortable with sharpening because you, you know, that is a skill set in itself that takes years to hone. Um, so a lot of times, you know, people will come back and or they'll buy a knife and they get kind of nervous. and They're like, well, what do I do to maintain this? Well, you know, bring it back to us. We Like I was telling you earlier, we have people shipping us their knives from all over the country right now. We're literally showing up in boxes. And they're like, hey, we heard about you. Can you sharpen our knives? And we will ship them back to Those them. Those are very trusting people. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Um, and we do a really fast turnaround. I mean, it's only a 24-hour turnaround, you know. So you, we know how important it is for you to get your knives back, you know, especially the cooks in town. They may have only a day off or whatever. Uh, so, you know, it's really important for us to turn them around quickly enough. Um, and and we've gotten nothing but great feedback so far. So it's been great to hear. You know, we do repair service, too. Like, you know, if you're saying your husband dropped your knife off the table and the tip breaks off, we fix those things. I mean, that's kind of our bread and butter. We do a lot of that kind of repair work. We do restoration work, rust removal, stuff like that. A guy recently brought us a knife that his grandfather got in Japan during World War II. And it had been just through the ringer. I think actually had been through Katrina. Um, and the handle was just completely torn up. So uh, we took all the rust off. We reground an edge onto it, polished it up, uh, put a brand new handle on it. And I took a picture of the kanji on the blade, and I sent it to my friend uh, Keiko in Japan. And she actually came back with the knife maker, and they're actually still forging knives. Oh, wow. So how it, cool. was, it was someone we had never heard of. So, I mean, that was the coolest thing how for cool. us. We're like, wow, how awesome is that? And the guy got his knife back, and he was, like, in tears because he wanted to actually use it. He didn't want it to be sort of this sh kind of showpiece, you know. He wanted to... Um, it had all the character in the world, you know, which is so cool. Um, so, you know, we do that kind of stuff all the time, and... It's really fun for us. Those are like the cool projects we really like. And we know when you see it affects people, like some type of heirloom that they've gotten or something. A lot of we've gotten a lot of knives that have been through Katrina. And when people get them back, they're like really emotional about it, you know? So mm. that kind of hits. It's home. something that you couldn't get rid of, but right. you like held it and then. They you want to fix it, but you're yeah, like, I don't know where to start. Haven't had the opportunity or or know of the place that could do it. And now that I feel like we offer that service is really important for a lot of people. And um, I know that you'll offer some classes and things yeah. like that. So we that we don't accidentally ruin them. <laughs> you know, I because I, I, I laugh sometimes because I'll see my father-in-law and he'll grab the, you know, 
something that from the I don't know, like the outdoor sports store, right. and I see, and I just go. And he goes, well, I'm not really sharpening it, but you can see the, like, grit that's coming, coming off. off. And, yeah. it, it's you know, my heart starts oh, beating. Yeah. And, I, and I go, okay, so is there someone that I can say, this is what you don't use. Right. And this is how you use the steel that you have right. and I what you are accomplishing absolutely. with it. And I think a common misconception is that Japanese steel is just like a laser. It can go through like a femur bone and no problem, which is just not the case. You know, a lot of these are knives are specifically forged for specific purposes, you know, and we tell people all the time, you know, don't put it through bone, you know, unless it's a, like a Hanasuke or a Sakabone, a knife that's made specifically for dealing with deboning things. Don't use that knife to try to cut through bone. Don't cut it through frozen food. I had a guy recently come in. He got a beautiful knife for Christmas. And on uh, Christmas Day, his father-in-law was using it to break down the turkey that was <gasps> roasted already. And so he brought it back to us, and it literally looked like a serrated, like, Broke, oh, you know, oh, he kind of broke. Goodness. And so I'm like, what happened to those pieces of metal? That were in the <laughs> no, turkey? <who> ate that? <laughs> so, you know, like I said, it's just uh, you really got to be aware. And we, we do a good job of explaining that to you when you're buying it. So, um, you know, which ones are specific to ask. Well, I, um, I, I'm having so much fun and uh, <laughs> we only have a little bit of time left. So why don't you tell our listeners where your store is located, yeah. how they can find you. And we do have people who listen on the Internet. So. Let them know yeah. how they can get in touch with we're, you. Uh, we're located on Oak Street. We're at 8239 Oak Street on the corner of Dante. Um, we are open weekdays, uh, 10 to 6, Saturday, 10 to 4. We're only closed on Sundays. Uh, if you're looking to come do a sharpening service, if you need that knife back that day, I would recommend calling ahead making an appointment. Otherwise, it's kind of first come, first serve. Um, you can check out our website, uh, cotillianola.com. Um, if you just Google search uh, Knife Shop New Orleans, it's the first thing that comes up. Um, we do have a, a small online store as well and a lot of information about a lot of our knife makers if you're looking to kind of know, you know, who we're carrying and what we're representing. Um, and just the overall kind of our story, you know, kind of how we got into this, uh, Brant and I. So um, you can kind of check out all that on our, our website. You can follow us on Instagram. It's, uh, you know, at Cotillianola, um, Facebook as well. Um, so yeah, we, you know, we kind of, uh, use Instagram as our bread and butter for letting people know what's new that came in, kind of what we're offering. Um, especially when you're offering, uh, like knife cl sharpening classes, things like that. We generally do knife sharpening classes about once every six weeks. Um, but we recommend, uh, jumping on our, uh, email, uh, list for that. We kind of blast that out whenever we're, uh, doing, doing classes. So, and those classes are small. They're about a hundred bucks a person. You get a knife, uh, you get a sharpening stone included, uh, you get a very hands-on, one-on-one kind of experience because the classes are so small, and you get Brand and I both in there. Um, so oh, all, sort, all sorts of fun. Uh, we do private dinners. We're still cooking, so we're you know we did some dinners at Paradigm Gardens, uh, you know, recently in the last year, and uh, private hirings for events and such like that. We got a lot of irons, a lot of irons in the fire. So pretty much whatever you need, whether it's some a few little local products, new knives, yeah. spoons. Forks, yeah, um, local knife pantry classes, items, knife classes, all that good all stuff. stuff. Um, go, go, check them out. You all been listening to WRBH Radio eighty eight point three FM. This is your host of New Orleans by a Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. Special thanks to Chef Jackie Blanchard for being with me. Thanks for having me. Until next time, ciao.